every individual on the planet deals with damage relationships, but every individual on the planet also has the responsibility to help repair those damaged relationships. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. I'm doing well, Brian. How you doing? We are great, and we're joined by a oh guest today. Oh my goodness, today. there's another person in here. <laughs> right in the room. We are joined <laughs> by Dane Tyner as we are beginning a series of episodes called Holy Brokenness, where we'll be taking a look at different areas of brokenness and how the Bible speaks into those and how God can bring healing and help and his presence into difficult situations. And so uh, Dane Tyner kicks us off today, and we're excited about that. Uh, Dane, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I am a Christian minister. I uh, lead a ministry called Home Improvement Ministry. Uh, we're a Christian counseling service and kind of do broad-spectrum counseling stuff. But as the name suggests, our focus is home. We really have a passion to help people make their faith work at home. So I've been doing that for like 40-some years, so um, I'm kind of used to it and yeah. enjoy it. I'm in my element. Yeah, and uh, I've been able to, to see Dane's ministry um, at work in different ways through the years, and we often, in my role as a pastor, um, refer people on to counseling and I have a short list of, I always give people two or three options, and, and Dane's always on that list, and I'm, I'm really thankful for uh, his ministry, and also getting, we've been able to be in the same, be part of the same church and work in different projects together yes. uh, through the years. So Dane, you wrote the book, Everyone's Job, Repairing Damaged Relationships. Uh, what inspired you to write the book? Well, as you said earlier, we all do have damaged relationships, but we don't all know what to do with those damaged relationships. And so I wrote the book. It's really a pretty small book, 68 pages. So what I tried to do was provide people something that would be a kind of a short and easy read that could touch on the kinds of things that I regularly see in my office that people don't know how to do mm -hmm. uh, and need some instruction. You know, one of the things about uh, relational skills is we learn those the same way we learn language. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us grow up in unhealthy home environments where we don't learn good relational skills. That's what I grew up in, a very broken family. And so uh, a lot of us need help in doing some of the work that needs to be done if a relationship is going to have a chance of being healed. So that's what a, the book actually. Yeah, what would you say to the person who says like, uh, isn't repairing you know, broken relationships, shouldn't that be left to the professional? Do I really need to be involved in that? Well, that's kind of an interesting thing because the professionals, we who are doing this kind of work that I do, 
we're only helping people do their work. Hmm. So sometimes we're able to guide them into some things or make some suggestions of some different ways to handle things, but they're the one that has to hmm. do the thing. Now, you said earlier that relationships, uh, it's a skill, that it's something that you're going to have to work at. When I think of a skill, I don't think of something that's necessarily innate. It's not like an ability. It's something that's either learned or mm -hmm. taught, and it's something that can be changed. Is that how you address the idea of relationship skills, or what does that look like for you? Yes, I think that's a good uh, way to look at it, that it is a skill that can be learned, and sometimes we have to unlearn things in order to learn something else, right? Well, as Christians, I mean, we have to unlearn how we used to live so that we can learn how to live in Christ. So it sounds to me like you're in the business of helping people redeem their relationship skills. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Are there any life experiences that really helped you or shaped you for this specific work? A lot of them. Uh, you know, it goes all the way back to my childhood because I grew up in a very dysfunctional family where good relational skills were sorely lacking. And so I came out of that ill-prepared for adult life and really wholesome quality relationships. And so I've had to learn a whole lot of stuff myself in order to have functional relationships in my life. And by functional relationships, I mean more than just that we get along. Depth is also a part of the kinds of relationships God wants us to have. And a lot of us actually settle for superficial relationships where, okay, I can be kind enough, nice enough that we kind of get along. But really, God wants something deeper. He wants intimacy in our lives and that is a whole lot easier said than done <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean we all have lots of relationships what are some of the things that just make them so difficult to be healthy well the bible says that we all sin and come short so there's no exceptions there i don't know that except theologically i believe that the bible says all I know it's true for me, and I know it's true for everyone that I've been close to. They sin, I sin. And whenever we sin, there is some kind of damage that follows that. Mm -hmm. It may be fairly minor. It can be catastrophic. But we have to take that seriously and, and own our part of dealing with that kind of destructive stuff that happens when we don't do what we ought to do. Yeah, so I want to jump into the book just a little bit. You outline six crucial components of reconciliation. And I want to read them off, and we're not going to, not going to cover each one because I want people to go buy the book and read them all. Right. Um, but we want to uh, cover a few of the highlights. But the six that you list are confrontation, confession, forgiveness, restitution, rebuilding damage trust, and acceptance. Um, Tell me a little bit, what does a healthy confrontation look like? I know what an unhealthy confrontation looks like. I think we all know what unhealthy <laughs> confrontation looks like. Like, that's the standard. Yeah. When we think of confrontation, it's not good. Yeah. It's rarely done right. And oftentimes, it can be more destructive 
yeah. than healing or, or, or healthy. Yeah, even the word has a negative connotation. So yeah. what, what does a healthy confrontation look like? It's kind of interesting hearing the two of you just comment on confrontation. And this is one of the things that I obviously address in the book because confrontation is a necessary component of working out things. But we do have kind of a general aversion to confrontations. Like, I think most of us are a bit conflict-avoiding. Like, And some of us are just determined to avoid any kind of conflict at all costs. And so there are these places where we need to step into it. And so what I tried to do in my book is give some of that kind of guidance about how to go about that in a healthy way and so some of the stuff that I think is really important is to be able to realize there are some things that we must talk about and you can avoid it lots of people do but you just actually avoid it and avoid it and it just keeps showing back up in your path Mm -hmm. and so the the thing that I've tried to encourage people to do is Take some guidance here to try to make this as safe as possible. One of the things that I suggest in this little section right here is sometimes it's good to use written communication. Mm. Because, see, a lot of what we need to do is manage our emotions. And fear is one of the big ones, and anger is another one of the big ones. So when we're going to confront something... To manage those, uh, I've just found that written communication actually allows you to manage your emotions as you would communicate with someone else about something that has hurt you, offended you, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Writing also makes you really think about what you're writing. It's something that I discovered. My wife and I actually did that. So it's nice to know that we're doing, we, we, we're doing something that uh, a counselor would encourage to do. But that we, we did that early on when we found that we couldn't express what we meant in the moment. We separated, took a couple of minutes, really thought it out. Um, but we also realized it wasn't the end of the world. Uh-huh. That the time was actually okay so that we could confront things uh-huh. we didn't like about ourselves or each other or if there was an issue, how to appropriately deal with it. How would you define confrontation? Because kind of like what we said, it sounds like arguing or calling someone out or being confrontational, I guess. So how would you define confrontation? Well, it is to confront an issue. And that can be done in wholesome ways. What we usually think of, the connotation or confrontation, is some of the kind of stuff we have stored up in our minds of somebody confronting something and it wasn't healthy and it was maybe something that just inflamed everything. But if there's an issue between us, we have to confront that issue. You have to know what the issue is, and I have to know what the issue is. And so the confrontation is to go to the person and be clear about and communicate in clean ways what it is that has bothered you. Yeah, I, I remember reading uh, Rich Viotis talk about his driving his first car, and he had no idea how to fix it. And when it started making a noise, he 
he addressed it by rolling down the windows and playing music real loud. (laughs) 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 And that worked really well for a couple weeks until finally he heard a huge boom, you know, and, and I think to me, that's a little bit of what confrontation is. It's, it doesn't, it's not mean spirited. It's always supposed to be gentle, but it's addressing the problem before it becomes an explosion. Yeah. Oftentimes. So it sounds like you're saying that we are responsible for being confrontational but in a loving, clear manner. Mm-hmm. And the goal is either reconciliation or at the, at the minimum, understanding. Yes, yes, yes. Let me just read a paragraph out of this section in my book on confrontation. This is something that I think is really important. It says, more reconciled relationships would occur if more of us would focus on our obedient relational input than on unpredictable relational outcomes. Remember, the outcome of our obedient actions is not guaranteed. That depends on the other person. Sadly, sometimes we refuse to do the right thing unless the desired outcome is certain. I encourage you as a servant of God to heed God's leading regardless of the outcome. Do your part and leave the results to him. To me, this is one of the things that I see often in relationships that aren't working well someone has just backed off and kind of refused to do anything about it because well you have way more stuff to do than i do or or i'm scared or any amount of reasons but and this thing about well i would do it if i knew that the outcome is going to be something gets fixed. It doesn't always happen that way. But I think that we're supposed to do the right thing regardless of the outcome of doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that sounds biblical. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the next steps are confession, forgiveness, and then restitution. And that may be a word that we're not as familiar with. Uh, talk to us about what you mean by restitution. Okay. We can't always do restitution restitution in damaged things but there are some things some places in relationship where we have messed up and we could go back and actually fix that Hmm. and every place that you can go back and actually fix that I think God wants you to go back and fix that thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. now the reason forgiveness is so terribly important is that we all do things that cannot be fixed. Mm. You can do things that cannot be undone. And so forgiveness is the only answer then that can ever satisfy that situation. But there are a lot of places where we can mess up something and be confronted with that. Like, oh, okay. Like you... You're asked to go pick up something at the grocery, and you forgot to do it. And somebody's upset that you didn't pick up the whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, if you have to go get dressed, uh, whatever, go get in the vehicle and go to the store and get the thing that you didn't get. Yeah. And go out of your way to do something like that. That's what restitution really means, yeah. is try to... Do undo the thing that you did. Yeah. 
So what you're saying is uh, for Taylor's three daughters, for restitution, they need to clean up the glitter that they put all over your bathroom. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I would. Although it's really uh, entertaining to watch a two-year-old with a really big broom and dustpan try to yeah. do that on her so own. It may just be forgiveness then for you. It's and, probably and forgiveness. It sounds like to me that you're saying that restitution uh, is forgiving the unfixable. That this probably isn't going to be. Ultimately, it's in God's hands. That person's wholeness and healing really ultimately kind of goes into into their relationship with God, but at least we can admit a wrong, even if that doesn't fix it. So mm-hmm. forgiveness really is saying, this thing can't be fixed. I forgive you. I'm not going to hold it against you. So let's use this moment to have a better relationship. Well, I think forgiveness is a component in all of this, because even if you can make the restitution the fact that you're having to do the restitution is a place that forgiveness actually kicks in to some level. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd have to forgive that you didn't do that in the first place, that you were thoughtless and uh, all of that sort of thing. But the, there is a place where you can actually fix the core thing. So I, I often have people ask me, um, they're supposed to forgive and forget. And how would how do you respond when when people put those two words together? Do they belong together? I don't think at all. Um, I mean, people can try to forget things, but there are things that get into our brain that are hardwired in there, memory-wise. Mm-hmm. And unless you get Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia, it's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. But doing the work that you do does something about the thing that you are still going to remember Mm -hmm. so the toxicity of that is removed Mm -hmm. and so even you can remember it in ways that you need to remember it Mm -hmm. yeah i was going to ask that so you just change how you think about it well i think yeah how you think about it or how you process it so a lot of times like Uh, I deal with a lot of people that have childhood trauma kinds of issues, Mm -hmm. and they have probably for years, sometimes decades, have tried to deal with that by stuffing it back in some closet of their mind, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't work well long term. (laughs) The stuff falls out of the closet and uh, creates another crisis. But when I help people to deal with that, my vision is that whatever that was that you were afraid of, if we can actually deal with it, you can have a redemptive quality to that. So in my own childhood, traumatic things that I experienced, by my processing my experience, I've been able to use that. I'm not trying to forget how my dad treated me. In fact, in my work, I'm real regularly uh, recalling things and sharing that with someone to kind of identify with something that they have experienced. Mm -hmm. Now, if I didn't do that, I would be in that place where that's some dark stuff over there. I don't want to even go there. Mm -hmm. But I think Jesus wants to lead us there. Yeah. And, And it's for a redemptive healing purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You quote uh, Amy Carmichael, uh, 
the missionary uh, when she said, there's a kind of peace found only in acceptance. And that word acceptance is, the, is number six there on the components of reconciliation. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Well, when I think about that statement, I think about the serenity prayer, which is a very powerful prayer that starts out, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And so that accept, grant me serenity, grant me peace to accept something that I cannot change. And so what Amy's pointing out is that there's a great uh, ministry to our own hearts when we come to accept something. And I think she would be talking about those kinds of things that the serenity prayer is talking about, the things that we cannot change, that we would if we could. So there are some things in our lives that we need to just come to acceptance about. And when I address that in my book, I kind of use an example of uh, maybe a child growing up with parents that are poorer than typical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they can, they can grow up with resentment towards their parents because their parents didn't give them stuff that they wanted to do or they wanted to go to school and have those really nice sneakers or whatever. And so they may hold something against a parent who's doing the best that they actually can do. Mm. And so to come to accept that my parents weren't actually holding out, but they didn't have, and I didn't feel good because of this. So there are a lot of places where we need to come to accept something that wasn't fun or enjoyable, that felt offensive, but was not actually offensive. Mm. That's good. Yeah, kind of reinterpreting what we have experienced mm -hmm. to see it either rightly, maybe not rightly, just better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate in the book that you uh, certainly don't miss the opportunity to remind, uh, remind the reader that ultimately God is in the business of repairing broken relationships, and that's really mm -hmm. the hope that we have. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Good counseling is for everyone, whether you're saved, not saved, regardless of your religious background or lack of it. We hope that everyone has good relationships. But as Christians, we recognize that at the end of the day, only God can truly restore and truly heal our brokenness. Yeah. So the yes. book is called Everyone's Job, Repairing Damaged Relationships uh, with Dane Tyner. And I would encourage you to pick it up. Uh, it really is it's something I... I spent a lunch hour just reading and taking notes and highlighting, and uh, I think these these types of books are so helpful because uh, I've already gone back to it one time and I'll go back to it again, and so I would encourage people to pick it up. They can find it on Amazon and are there other Barnes places? and Noble? Okay, Barnes and Noble, great. Yeah, and don't and don't let the the length of the book deter you. Just because the book is small, it doesn't mean that it isn't just jam-packed with good wisdom and proverbial antidotes to help you better know God, yourself, and your neighbor. Absolutely. So, Dane, thanks so much for joining Thank us you. today. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, podcast listeners, thanks so much for being there. Uh, come back next week. We're going to have another special guest on, 
who spends time every, uh, every month spending several days notifying people that their loved one has passed away. And he's going to tell us how do you help people who are grieving the loss of a loved one. And so he'll have lots of expertise for us there. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise.